According to Barna, 95% of all Christians have never won a soul to Christ. Let's change the stat. Welcome to GoCast, a podcast designed to inspire and equip pastors and leaders to lead soul-winning churches. We have a mission to go and make disciples. This is GoCast. Hi, everyone. Welcome to GoCast. I'm your host, Kelly Stickle, and I'm joined, as always, by my friend and co-host, Tim Tribble. Welcome, Tim. How are you doing today? I'm doing very well. Thank you. Awesome. Awesome. Well, I am so excited about today's podcast. We have my friend uh, Brandon Stewart on the program, and he's the the founder and leader of Leading Second, which is an amazing organization Mm -hmm. that, uh, you know, he acts as a consultant and uh, support system for church staffs. And he works with those who are in, as he calls the second chair, those who are in a support role yeah. in the churches. And he does an amazing job of equipping staff and, and that. So I'd encourage all of our listeners and those watching to go to leadingsecond.com and learn a little bit about Brandon and his ministry. It is well worth it. Yeah. I asked him, and I thought it was fascinating, Asked him what it would be like as a second chair leader in uh, a soul winning church when maybe somebody who's in the second chair is more passionate about soul winning and outreach than somebody sitting in the first chair. What should they do? How should they approach mm. their their leader? And how should they influence up? And and what should how they should handle that? And I found his answer incredibly. Uh, inspiring and, and very interesting, and I think it's well worth uh, tuning into. But let me ask you a question before we get to the interview. Okay. Um, what's been your biggest challenge uh, as a second chair leader? <sighs> well, I think to be perfectly honest, I'm not. I don't think I'm alone in this. Is that when you're a second chair leader, you you kind of want to you desire to replicate as much as you possibly can what your first chair leader is doing. And I don't think, and I've, I've come to the struggle that it's not so much replicating what the first chair leading is doing, but resonating what they're doing. Right. So bringing your own personality and bringing your own, um, the way that you deliver things in a way that still communicates the same vision, but not trying so hard to be the exact replica of your leader. That, so that's really good. So you want, I mean, you want to have the same vision. Yeah. You don't need to be a copycat, no. but you need to have the same vision. Same heart. You also need to cheer for the same football team. Uh, I don't think I could ever do that. I'm so sorry. It's, <laughs> it's all right. Okay, well, it's all good. Um, we'll work on you on yeah. that one. But that's all good. But it, it that's so true. A lot of us, I think, you know, as second chair leaders, we've, I mean, you're a first chair leader as well in the youth group, and you've got mm-hmm. people in the second chair, and you want them to reiterate the vision and the passion that you have, but you don't necessarily need them to be a copycat no, of you. I no. mean, that you, you certainly don't. And as first chair leaders, we don't need copycats. We need people that are going to push the vision forward, not, but not be a copycat. That's right. So yeah. I think our listeners are going to love this conversation with, with Pastor Brandon Stewart. Um, without further ado, let's go right to my conversation with Brandon Stewart, Stewart of Leading Second. Well, hey, Brandon, so good to see you, my friend. Welcome to GoCast. Hey, hey, so great to uh, chat with you today, Pastor Kelly. Thanks for having me on, and, and I love what you're doing. Yeah, we're, I'm a big fan of you and what you're doing as well. So, man, you're, you're unique in, in many cases for a lot of people where you've been in the same church your entire life. So talk to us a little bit about that, about uh, your church, and about, in particular, how you, your ministry journey. Absolutely. Uh, my my home church is Champion Center. My my pastors are pastors Kevin and Sheila Gerald. And you're right. I've been at the same church since I was one. 
I believe, wow. is the count. So wow. as of the time of this recording, uh, 37 of my 38 years on planet Earth under, you know, one house, essentially one vision, one leader. And I love it. You know, what, what it's built into me is is just a deep, deep love for God's church. And awesome. um, so now today I get the opportunity here at home. My responsibilities include uh, leading um, anything that our church does to resource leaders and help pastors, which now includes Team Church Conference, yeah, which which you all have been to yeah a, a few times, and um, Team Church events and resources and all that. So that's what I spend my time doing these days. That's awesome, and you've I mean, you've played you've done many, multiple roles within the church, multiple leadership roles in the church. But recently, you've you've founded a ministry called Leading Second, which I'm a huge fan of. It is phenomenal, and the Leading Second uh, podcast is amazing. I, I'm a big fan of that as well. So, tell us what is Leading Second, and why did you feel compelled to to start this ministry? Absolutely. So I have been uh, traveling and working with pastors and leaders, again, at the time of this recording, uh, for almost eight years. Yeah. And for maybe six of those years, um, was was just on the ground coaching with, with pastors on Sundays and spending time with their teams on the weekend. I just started noticing some of the same conversations popping up everywhere. And that was people wanted to hear from from us what it was like to lead from the second chair. I'm I'm not a lead pastor, and that is by choice. I feel like I'm supposed to hold up the arms of lead pastors and uh, not be one. And and I, I actually believe for many people that is their call. Yeah, that's good to to champion the vision of their pastor and the house they're a part of. And so um, I guess. That was the thing people kept wanting to pull out of us uh, to a degree. And so um, Leading Second was born a couple of years ago. And the idea behind Leading Second is for all of us who lead when we're not in charge. John Maxwell would say that 99% of all leadership in an organization comes from the middle. Right. So if, if that much leadership at your church and our church is coming from the middle. We have to get the conversation right of what it means to lead and simultaneously not be the one in charge. You know, we we serve a vision bigger than ourselves. Yes. And, and um, I every day I lead a vision that ultimately um, is coming from my pastor. And so there's just unique dynamics and tensions to that. And um, we decided to put it together in a way that really champions the people and the voices that want to get it right, that want right. to lead well and lead healthy in the second chair. So Leading Second was born. It's kind of a child of team church. And uh, th- those are my two kids, I guess, if you if you want to put it like that, um, that, that my wife, Lindsay, and I spend our time leading and, and taking forward. That's awesome. It's it's amazing. I think it's it's an amazing uh, opportunity for a lot of leaders who are doing are leading from that ninety nine percent, like you said. And I think it's a, it's a great resource for all of them and and those listening or, or watching. Uh, who are leading second, uh, this is a great resource that you guys all need to get a part of. So, But what are some of the things, what are some of the resources that you provide for um, those leading in from the second chair? Yeah, leading second has a couple of pillars to it. Um, the, the first one would be our resources. We have a growing arsenal of, of resources that are all available uh, free of charge for churches everywhere. That includes our, our weekly podcast, as you've already mentioned, the Leading Second podcast. 
Uh, it also includes a free online course. So we have a professionally produced six-part um, online training course that churches can use in group or individual settings. And it's basically consider it like a little on-ramp for leaders into your world to teach every leader that is leading at your church or in your context how to lead from the second chair. Right. And that's avail- available, no charge. Um, and so we have resources. Um, we have coaching groups as well, which are online small groups uh, with myself and other coaches through Leading Second. And that is a monthly get in the leadership gym, do your push-ups, stretch, grow, uh, that sort of an environment on video calls. And then uh, we participate in all team church events. That's so, awesome. Uh, we have we have sessions at, at all events as well. So lots Lots going on in a growing a growing arsenal there just to serve churches. That is awesome. And it's all uh, amazing and, and highly recommended uh, by myself and many other leaders and really appreciate that. In leading second and in the ministry that you do, the consulting that you do with churches and, and leadership and pastors, and you're traveling a lot and you have the opportunity to work with a lot of churches. So in your opinion, what is the current state of the North American church? I, I first of all, I love the church. Mm-hmm. I think the church is the greatest thing going on planet Earth. Yeah. Um. Don't you dare believe the critics and you know the the voices out there that um would be doomsday for the church. The Thank church you for is saying alive that. And well, <laughs> yeah. and and I guess I'll just say it like this. Uh, even even in in if you want to look at biblical history, the nation. Of Israel itself has had um, variety of sides, you know, over its own history, let alone the church on planet Earth. But um, but um, the church has withstood martyrdom, torture, persecution, um, resistance, um, and yet is alive and well today. Like the church is so strong. Yeah, and the the, the church is 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 um, it's an amazing to see what God is doing. Um, throughout your nation, I mean, Canada, I love ministering in Canada. Yeah. We'd be there in a couple of weeks even, and um, God's doing something really special. Having said that, if I look around at North American churches right now, um, I think it's very easy for us to get our eyes off the prize mm. on what, what really matters most. Um, I see a lot of competition. Um, I see a lot of comparison which to me brings out a lot of anxiety and ultimately depression in leaders. Right. And that's the side of the church right now that concerns me. Mm. The fact that our measure for success in the church would be what another church is doing versus what God is asking us to do. We won't stand in eternity with Christ and answer for how we measured up to other churches so or good. how many Instagram followers we had or all of that. Uh, we will stand before God and answer for, did we do everything he asked us to do? So good. And I just think we get our eyes off the prize sometimes. And I spend a lot of my time, I guess, realigning and refocusing churches around that, that um, the, those things were never our measure. Um, if I can give you a slightly longer answer to the the question, earlier this year I was in I was in Israel uh, actually, my first time going and um, got a chance to spend some time in Capernaum, which, mm. of course, was Jesus' ministry headquarters right on the Sea of Galilee. 
and um, amazing to be in that part of the world. Uh, what was so impacting to me, though, was how small Capernaum was. Huh. I mean, I mean, Capernaum as a walled-off city. I mean, I mean, I think my my church campus here is bigger. Wow. Than Capernaum. And and um, I was I was impacted by how small it was. I, I it took me back almost. Seventy five percent of Jesus' miracles happened in and around that area, and yet it was tiny. Wow. And it hit me one day. And, and I think it was just the Lord speaking to me that Jesus' ministry was never big. Right. It was just highly effective. Wow, that's good. Because Capernaum is also situated on a trade route and is situated on roads coming in and out of the area. In other words, it was small, but it was perfectly positioned to get word out. So and good. So Jesus, word of Jesus spread throughout the region because he was perfectly positioned. In other words, he would visit Jerusalem, which would be big, of course. Right. He would he would visit Jerusalem, but he never stayed a night in Jerusalem. He 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 never he he didn't obsess over that. And, and I actually felt God tell me, even just from my own ministry. Sorry if I'm preaching on your podcast, but um, I just felt God even tell me with my own ministry, obsess with being effective, not big. That's so and, good. And I, I want to bring that message to the North American church right now because I feel like our, our, we get our eyes so off the prize and God never asked us for some things we're chasing. He just asked us to be highly effective for his kingdom. And you can still, even with something that the world would call small, you can still stand before God and answer for doing everything he asked you to do when our eyes is on the right prize. That is so good. Thank you so much for, for sharing that. That is that is uh, my heart as well. And I, I love that because you know we've got pastors that are leading churches of all different sizes. Absolutely. And this, this, I mean, GoCast and what we're doing and our, our mission, it wasn't about growing big church or or being a big church, you know, like, like and celebrating just the big church. We're interviewing pastors from all different sizes of churches and celebrating them because it's not about the size of the ministry, the size of the campus, the size of how many campuses. It's about the effectiveness and are we winning souls? And, and if we could get churches of all size to win souls— my goodness, we could change the world. And and sorry, if I could just interject here, I I if someone is out there feeling like you know what they're what they're doing is so small, and and that that's our that's our um, marker. Like, can I just in, encourage you, like, with every fiber of my being, to shake that off? Yeah. That 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 effectiveness is what the gospel is about. Yeah. And you're you're more effective than you realize, probably. Uh, in in reaching people with with the gospel, yes, and 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 some some cities, some towns, people come to live. Other cities and towns, people will just be in for a season of time, and they'll move on somewhere else. Right. But both are needed in people's journey of of finding Christ and meeting Christ. And so, yeah, I, I just I hate what comparison does to leaders, and I hate what it does to get us off of. Um, I think what God is really asking us to do for His kingdom and winning souls and building the church. That's so good, and I think I mean the comparison trap is that much more tempting today than than ever before because we do have access, yeah, to social media to. We do have access to news immediately at our fingertips. We can see, you know, I I celebrate. I love um, Easter Sunday because Easter Sunday afternoon or Easter evening, you get all these churches bragging about their big attendance and their many salvations and baptisms, all the rest of it. And you're going, wow, this is awesome. And I love it. But at the same time, you're going, oh, could we have done better? Or what about us? And, and totally. when I thought we were celebrating and then to, you feel that little twinge and all of us feel that battle. So I, I think what you're saying is, is so so good and it is a big battle today but ultimately we're not going to answer for what 
Elevation Church is doing or Champion Center Church is doing. We're Absolutely. answering for what we're doing. 100%. So good. So with that in mind, where do you see the church going in the next five to 10 years? What, what does that look like? I think the climate, um, if you want to look politically, sociologically, morally, um, the, the, the temperature is rising right now. Mm. Um, the stakes are getting higher. Um, I, I guess I would say a couple things. First of all, millennials will hit 40 um, in just the next few years. Yeah. And millennials will move into a season of, of um, our cultures and of their lifespan as a generation where they will start to control every um, lever of power in society and in culture, whereas before millennials were more um, uh, style influencers. Right. Millennials will, will, be, will start to really come of age in terms of the major power years of life, 40 to 60. Right. And um, that will change the game. And and it will change the game in every and it already is we're we're, we're already seeing that everywhere, um, and so the church is going to have to become more potent um, in its message because the world the it, it, I think there was a day and a time where we where we focused on being attractional and gathering large crowds and all that and we 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 some of our message stayed at the back just in, you know in the effort to gather people but I don't think we're going to have that luxury. The world, the world is not doing that. Their their message is, is right at the front, and um, we're going to have to know what we believe. Yep. And we're going to have to say what we believe. Yep. With with full convic- full conviction and confidence, and um, the, the the game the game's going to change for the church. That's and, so good. Um, I think we just need to be we need to be sensitive to it. We need to be willing to think, you know, consider new new ideas and new thoughts and new ways. Um, but also, I don't think we need to be afraid of it. That we have the wind of the spirit at our back, yeah, and we are we are a, a generation uh, for such a time as this, and um, there will be some issues that will define the way we respond will define, I guess, our place in this generation. But I just believe God's with us, yeah, and um, I believe that certainly Jesus is doing something on the earth today. That's right. that that is going to require us to just be bold and be confident in Him, but be unashamed of who we are as believers and Christ followers. Because we have the thing in us that the world desperately needs now more than ever. That's so good. We ought not be afraid of, of I guess, where we're going. I also think on a, on a practical note, I think churches are going to have to figure out and wrestle with what we do digitally. So um, I, I, I am a, I'm a local church person. I, I am a Sunday morning weekend service person. I love conferences. I love events. In other words, I love gathering. Yeah. So the Bible tells us to not you know, forsake gathering right. and we need to be together. There's something that you can only experience in the room. So, so I am all for that, but the gospel will continue to go forward more and more digitally. Yeah. And we have to figure out how to be a part of that space as well. Yes. And, and it's, it's not going anywhere. It's, it's only going to increase and to our benefit, we'll take the gospel to nations of the world that are even you know, unreached yeah. through Wi-Fi and through the internet. Um, billionaires are spending billions of dollars to bring um, internet to every corner of the world. It's, it's, they're just laying the pavement for the gospel to go yes. forward. They don't even know it. Um, and so we are going to have to figure out how we want to participate in the the spread of the gospel digitally as well. 
That's awesome. That's so good. And I, yeah, I do. I see the same things. I, I want to dig into something you said uh, a little bit deeper, though, because a lot of the pushback that we get from um, Christians and, uh, you know, those who are established in the church for a long period of time when it comes to soul winning or, you know, pushback that I've talked with pastors who are leading soul winning churches is there's pushback for saying, well, we don't like seeker sensitive or we don't like the attractional church. So when you said, you know, the, the, you know, attractional and, and that kind of thing, I do sense, and I sense with all the pastors that we've talked to that there's, you know, the seek, the seeker sensitive model, the attractional model is going to, uh, by the wayside and it's probably already passed by, but soul winning as a whole is taking on a, a different shift altogether. And that just because a church is winning souls, doesn't necessarily mean that they're compromising, which is the assumption of the seeker-sensitive or the tractional churches that the church is compromising in order to attract people and and be seeker-sensitive. But that's not the case. And I, I think what I would just want to drill in that a little bit, make sure that you're saying that as well, that, yeah, we're still attracting people, but we're attracting them with something different than what was before, that there's we can be more bold in our messaging we can be, we can be, um, um, we can still reach the loss with, and and we definitely don't compromise. And none of the churches that we're talking to are compromising that way and still having great success. I'm glad. Okay. I'm glad you, you paused here. This is worth talking about. So number one, let me say really boldly, what could be more relevant or attractional to a lost person than the Holy spirit? Absolutely. <laughs> I mean, what what could we possibly do or create that is going to draw someone to Jesus more than the Spirit of God? Absolutely. So um, we ought not be afraid of who we are. We are a peculiar people. Yeah. <laughs> we, that we, we're we're strange people to the world. Let's just let's just own it. Yeah. So I this is me personally. This is just me talking here. I personally reject the term seeker sensitive. I think it's the wrong term. Right. For the church right now. I think seeker aware yes. is more accurate. So baptism, that's strange. Communion, that's strange. Faith in Jesus that gives us eternity, that's strange. I mean, go down the list. It's strange. We can't apologize for it, nor should we, but we can't explain it. Right. And so I think seeker aware means to me that we're going to be who we are as the church, but we're going to be aware that there's always people in the room that don't have context for, for what we're doing. So we need to explain it. Right. And we need to we need to help bring them along the journey. So that's the first thing I would say is I usually coach churches to embrace seeker aware because every church has a shallow end and a deep end right every church has a crowd and a core right and you need both you want both um in your church you 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 can't have all core and you don't want all crowd so so you need both the idea isn't that we take people and just immediately dunk them in the deep end yeah um, they need a transition. My my daughter right now is in swimming lessons, and and she she can jump in the shallow end just fine right now, but she, but the deep end still scares her. So and she's she's taking lessons in order to you know get ready to handle the the deeper stuff that I'm sure in no time she'll be diving straight into the deep yeah. end. So. Um, it, the the best churches are just ones that that um, provide great um, transition moments for people and great handles and great training. We're not afraid of the deep end, but we're going to help you get there. Yeah. And we we live and build our churches out of the idea that everyone can take their next step 
along the way. So I, I still agree with a multi-phase, multi-dimensional approach to assimilation and church growth. People need help getting into the deep end, but we ought not be afraid of the deep end because it's it's the place of transformation in people's lives. And um, maybe that just gives language to someone. Yeah, very, very well said. I, I couldn't agree more. I think I think that is it needs to be said because I know there's lots of conversation going in there. And I know there's people that are that are hesitant about saying, okay, I want to see souls. We want to see the fruit, but man, we're afraid of, you know, we don't know how, or we're afraid of having to give something up in order to do that. You're not well, saying, let, me, yep, let I mean, me say this. Yeah. We, we, yeah, we say both. We, we say absolutely both. You're not giving up one for the other. No, absolutely. The, the gospel is big enough to be both. Think about the disciples themselves, the disciples themselves on their day of calling. The call was follow me. That's mm-hmm. all they heard. Follow me. And so they spent the first days or weeks or season of ministry with Jesus following, yeah, picking up basketfuls of bread, you know, when he multiplied bread to feed thousands. And like they were ushers, they served, they, yeah. they were event planners, they were, you know, whatever, they, they followed Jesus. But in Matthew 10, we see the transition moment where follow me became die for me. Right. And Jesus let, in other words, they didn't encounter Jesus on day one saying, die for me. Right. It was, it was, it was a multi-step seasonal approach, but, but make no mistake, Jesus asked for everything. Yeah. And, and, and he got them there over time. And so I've just always been com- compelled about that, that in our churches, we have to start with follow me, but we have to, we, we can't leave people there. We leave so much on the table. When we leave people and just say, follow me, like we have to lead people to a place of greater contribution right. to, you know, for the sake of the gospel. So good. So good. I, it reminds me of uh, John, you know, one of Jesus' disciples, he, he writes in verse 21 of the very first chapter of John, right? He says, he remarked about Jesus. He said, it is so unusual to find somebody like Jesus who was full of grace and truth. And I think they, they encounter people that are full of grace, but had no truth. And you encounter people that are full of truth, but no grace. And he says he, Jesus was full of grace and truth. He didn't leave one out or didn't, didn't, uh, didn't have, wasn't off balance. He had that in perfect balance. And it's interesting that grace, like you're saying, was the first thing mentioned too. And, and we can't expect the same things of people who are, in the shallow end, you know, that, right. we, that we can in, in the deep end. And, and if we, if we forsake one for the other, uh, you know, I've been, been in church for 37 years. If, if I wasn't challenged now in my faith, in my sacrifice, in my giving, yeah. I mean, for context, I'm, I'm a volunteer staff member at my church. I'm not paid by my church. Um, you know, I, I, everything I do, uh, at at my home church, everything with team church is as a volunteer. Wow! It's 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 multiple hours a week, sometimes ten and twenty hours a week. Yeah. Um, if not entire weeks. Yeah. Um, thank God I'm blessed to be able to do that, and God has made a way for us to be able to do that. But um, if I like I if I didn't have that challenge in me, like I'm thankful for a pastor that asked me to go further. Like I need the deep end. I need yeah. that deep end challenge. But someone who's new to our church this weekend, they're not going to hear that. Uh, they just need to hear a follow me call. Yeah. And that is enough for them for that day to just hear that they can have new life in Jesus. So I hope people can just get their head around the the idea that it's both. The gospel is big enough for both and potent enough for both. That's so good. I love that. All right. 
Uh, let's shift gears a little bit. At, at GoCast, we, we're on a mission to inspire and equip leaders to lead soul-winning churches. So the goal of the podcast is to provoke soul-winning in the local church, and we're excited about you know what we're what we're doing and what we're seeing already. But uh, I need your help, Brandon. <laughs> All right. um, okay. What would you say to the second chair leader uh, who's inspired to see more souls saved in their local church, but they don't feel like their their pastor has the same passion, or they're not seeing the same urgency from their pastor to do the same thing, or their or their face they're, they're seeing like a reluctance to change or to do that. And they're feeling this urgency and going, would you please talk to my pastor? <laughs> right? no, but what should they do if they, they're stirred in this passion, but their, their leader isn't? Okay. I'm so glad you brought this up. I want to offer you a big thought okay. to any second chair leader listening today. I believe that our pastors are the ones who will stand before God and answer for how they led our churches. Mm. So our pastors will stand before the judgment seat of Christ and answer for the yeses and the noes that they made in their leadership decisions. I truly believe with every fiber of my being that those of us who signed up to serve our pastors and for those of us who chose, signed up to lead from the second chair and then right. were called to lead in the second chair, I believe we will sit before the judgment seat of Christ and we will answer for how we created alignment toward the vision that was in our pastor's heart. Wow. I believe that is, that is what God is asking for us. As, in, in other words, my, my pastor, God has entrusted him with vision. God has entrusted him with, with something to do for the kingdom of God. Which Can I just add a side note, Pastor Kelly? I have not stayed planted at the same church for 37 years because I've always agreed with my pastor. Right. Like, is that okay to just put yeah. out there? Um, I, I, I haven't stayed planted at the same thir church for 37 years because I thought we always did everything perfect. Yeah. Because I thought we always made the right decisions. Right. This week, this month, I've had different thoughts than my church. You know what that means? It means I have a brain. Yeah. It, means. it, mean, it means I can think. Yeah. It it doesn't it doesn't it doesn't mean anything more than that. Um, but I really believe that as a second chair leader, I am called by God and will be held accountable for how I created alignment in the house. Yeah. Unity in the house. Um, I guess let me say it like this. Um, I'll make another point here in a second. But for for the for the second chair leader that's out there frustrated, you know, my pastor this or my pastor that. Can I just offer you another big thought? It's not a sin to do ministry ineffectively. Oh, yeah. Your pastor is not sinning. <laughs> <laughs> For some reason, you feel like there's a more effective way to do something. Um, now, is it stewardship issue? Possibly. But it's not a sin. So let's not treat it like it's a sin. Right. And let's just help our pastors to make the best decisions they can make and then leave the rest up to God. Wow. And and see that the greatest thing I do is I bring alignment to the house around, you know, my pastor and around his vision. So I'm just kind of trying to speak to that frustrated leader for a second because yep. I feel like we just need to know what the right target is here yeah. and what God is even asking for of us anyways. The last thing I would say is um, I also consider it when, when my pastor isn't quite on the same page with me, e even this week. 
Pastor Kelly, I presented a new idea to my pastor for Team Church. Like yeah. it, was, it was a brand new thing. We've never done it before. Um, I see it as my job to educate him. Yeah. He just because I bring an idea doesn't mean he automatically has to have the pom poms out and be like excited about it. It's it's my job to educate, to bring research, to bring information, um, and to bring him along a journey. And um, I actually find that he really responds well to that, and he finds that very helpful. So it could be that that maybe there's a way that you can help your pastor just become more aware of the need and more aware of, of, of the issue and what's in your heart and take that approach rather than the automatic assumption that my pastor just won't ever get it, doesn't get it. Does, you know, I, I choose to take it as my responsibility to bring my pastor on a journey, but trust him with the timing. If he says it's a no now, it's a no. Or if he says an idea is a delay, it's a delay. And I trust him. I create alignment because I feel like that's what I'm called to do as a second chair leader. That's so good. All right. So talk to me about uh, what's the most effective way as a second chair leader to challenge the process without challenging the authority of the leader. So how do you, you find that's a fine balance. That's a, that's a real fine balance when challenging the process, but you're not challenging the authority uh, of the leader at the same time. The the biggest thing I would say, and man, this is so big in my heart right now. So I got to try to get this out. Right. Um, the biggest thing I would say to that leader is you need to learn to lead at the level of your trust. Oh, lead at the level of your trust. In other words, for those of you who are younger in ministry, um, you're in the first five and 10 years of ministry serving in your church. You don't have the trust built up mm. that, that some of us do. I've been on team for in some capacity for 18 years. Right. You know, Right. Um, I have a lot more trust built up with my pastor over right. the years now where I can bring bigger and more challenging thoughts now. And it doesn't go to that place of challenging authority because there's such a, a foundation of, of trust and honor and alignment. Um, but I couldn't do that a lot of years ago. Wow. Yeah. And, and so you need to play the long game. Uh with with your pastor and with your church, if you see something and and it's big in you and you want to bring it to the table, it may not be an idea for today. Mm. And and I would just I, I can't encourage you enough to lead at the level of your trust. And and if you don't have the trust to bring the idea, you wait until you do. Right. And I'm not sure if you've ever heard the idea, Pastor Kelly, the idea of the in your life, the circle of concern versus circle of influence. Yes. Yep. And, and, and many times this frustration comes out of the idea that we, we, we want to bring ideas or bring things to the table that are that are inside our circle of concern. They matter to us. Yeah. But they're outside of our circle of influence. They're, they're beyond our ability to do something with. And that's frustrating. But I've just seen it as my job over the years. If I'm in that position it's my job simply to grow my trust and grow my influence to the point where I can then bring that idea. Right. Um, but if it is outside of your level of trust with your pastor, it will, it, it could be viewed as a challenge to authority. And I wouldn't, no idea is worth that. Right. Right. That is so, so good. All right. So let me, let me push into, into something a little bit because the buzzword in, 
in Christian circles and in certain movements more than others is, you know, pastors will preach it a lot and leaders will, will teach it a lot, but the buzzwords are, okay, honor, submission, loyalty, um, you know, don't have the Absalom spirit, don't, you know, don't be rebellious, <laughs> this kind of thing going on and on. So, all right, so, so push into that because in my opinion, I've seen a lot of that teaching uh, abused in a way, and that's used almost to manipulate people Give us a definition of of honor in this context and say, how do I honor my leader? I don't have to agree all the time. How do I be loyal with, with, you know, even though if I, if I need to challenge the process, how can I be loyal and challenging the process? Because some people got preached at it so much that they feel like I can't challenge the process because that would be disloyal or that would be dishonoring. Talk to us about that. I would ask you, Two questions for those of you that that, that that find yourself serving in any imperfect environment under a leader, which, by the way, is like it's all of them. Yeah, all of us. <laughs> I haven't met a perfect leader yet. <laughs> I hope my pastor skips this episode. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> so, number one is um, I would say, did God call you to be at that house? Yeah. Like, I'm not at my church because I'm paid. I'm not at my church because I have opportunity. I'm at my church because God assigned me here. Right. And I know that. Yeah. And I'm anchored in that. And because I'm called by God to be here, um, my anchor is unmovable. Mm. And that is the way that I feel like I please God, is I stay put in the environment that he has asked me to serve in and asked me to be in. And um, traveling, just being real, I get invitations all the time to go places, do things, move places, whatever. Um, and I think I've proven I'm, I'm not interested. Yeah. Um, because not unless God moves me. Yeah. So I, you know, I, w- I would just ask somebody, first of all, why are you even at your church? Are you there because you had an opportunity and you got hired? Or are you there because God called you to be there? So good. If you're there because God called you to be there, you can weather these storms. That it is not too much for you. Yeah. It is not too much for God. Which leads me to my second question. Anytime someone is bumping their head with authority, I would say, um, really, the question that comes down to is, do you trust God? Mm. I did not ask you, do you trust your leader? I'm asking you, do you trust God? If you trust God, you can submit to authority. Right. Because you can trust that God ultimately establishes authority and God can use this situation, the season you find yourself in for the good or for the bad. So it really is not a question of whether you trust your leader or not. It's really a question of do you trust God? Wow. If you were to rebel, go your own way, stand up for yourself, all that, you actually end up rebelling against the very authority of God, which I'm just going to make a bold statement here, but, but look it up in Scripture the story and the narrative of Scripture is God goes much more harshly toward a re- against rebellion than He does sin. Yes, provides grace for sin. Wow, takes out rebellions. Yes, and um, I would just ask yourself, really honestly, like, like, do you trust God? Because God makes a way for people that that love the house, that love their pastors. In fact, even even Solomon, Solomon asked for wisdom. God granted him wisdom Mm. and then what happens solomon finds himself in a situation where two moms come to him yeah claiming both claiming the baby was theirs right and um 
one, you know, so Solomon in his newfound wisdom said, all right, cut the baby in two. They can each have a half. And of course, you know the story. One mom said, sure, do it. Yeah. I'll take my half. And the other one said, no, no, no. You know, don't cut the baby. Um, keep it together. She can have it. Right. But rather. And of course, then in that moment, Solomon knew who the baby's true mother was. And I'm saying that to say this, Pastor Kelly, in church life, I feel like there are two types of people. There are keep the baby together people and there are split the baby in half people. Mm. And that really comes like like when adversity comes, when tough moments come, those who fight for the church and stand up for their church and stand up for their pastor and create alignment with their pastor, those are save the baby people. Um, but but we, we, we get into situations where we're bumping our head with a leader or something. We want to split the baby apart. We want to stand up. We want to do whatever. And I just think look at scripture and look at the person God honors. Yeah. Um, and it's the person that chooses to keep the baby together, the person that fights for their leader, fights for their pastor above all else. Um, that is there a time and a place to transition? Sure. Is there a time and a place to move? Sure. But I just believe that God can use you right where you're at. And, and if uh, submission isn't a sexy word, (laughs) but that doesn't mean it's not a biblical word. No, it's true. Um, It just may not be sexy right now, but, but it is, it is a position and a posture. God severely blesses. That's so good. So, so good. So well said. Um, And I, I would, I would challenge you know, the second chair leader who wants to see soul winning in their church, man, you can lead and influence by going out and soul winning yourself. Like you don't, I mean, you don't do have it. to wait. Do it. Yeah, just go do it. And, and I mean, you can lead that way and just, and start a revival yourself by doing that. Let me just say this. I don't know one pastor out there that would be adversarial toward a second chair leader going on and winning people for Christ, building the church and building their team. Exactly. So... If your pastor doesn't see it, it's probably just because you haven't led him to the place of being fully aware of needs or opportunities. But just go do it. It's it's the gospel. The gospel yeah. works. And I don't know one pastor that would be against uh, new life in the house. Yeah, people on team. You know all of those things. So good, man. Thank you so much. This has been this has been awesome. I, I have to give you props as well for your podcast, the Leading Second Podcast. It's I absolutely love it. I'm a regular listener and uh, really love the, the guests that you have on and the, and the conversations you have and and the teachings that you bring. I really love it. I'd encourage all of our listeners to tune into the podcast as well. Where else can our listeners connect with you online and? Follow Leading Absolutely. Second, follow you, what's going on, yeah. Yeah, leadingsecond.com and Leading Second on Instagram are our greatest places of connection. You'll you'll see all avenues of involvement in our tribe uh, online at in Instagram and on our website. Um, my Instagram is Brandon M. Stewart. And uh, man, we'd love to do anything we can to encourage you and cheer you on and in your local context of building your church. That's awesome. Well, thank you so much, Brandon, for the conversation today. This has been really, really rich. Lots of gold in this thing, and we really appreciate your time. Thank you. Love what you're doing. Thank you, Pastor Kelly, for uh, your faithfulness and your leadership. You're a big thinker. Um, you, you have you have so much in your heart for for your city, for your nation. We we admire you. We love you, and we're thankful that you are family to us, and you are in our tribe, and you're now stuck with us. So. Yes. Uh, whether you like it or not, we're all we're gonna have to do this thing together. Yeah, absolutely. It's awesome. Well, thanks again, Brendan. 
What an amazing conversation with Pastor Brandon Stewart of Leading Second. Man, I loved a number of his points, but yes. it really stood out to me was his the whole point about effectiveness rather than than size and mm-hmm. the idea that you don't have to be big in order to be effective. What was nope. your big takeaway? I love when he said that Jesus did 75% of his ministry in in, in Capernaum. Yeah. And uh, the point that like really drove out to me is that like with Capernaum being a trade route is that the location of where Jesus chose to do that 75% of his ministry and where he was sent to, that just, it, it speaks volumes. So, um, yeah, and so I, I would say to pastors, use your location to its fullest effectiveness and find every avenue that you can within those, within your city to be effective. Right. And, and be effective with the individuals, focus on the individual, the ministry you're doing to the individual, and mm-hmm. rather than being so concerned and wrapped up with the Size. numbers. So, so good. Man, the, this podcast is amazing. Yes. I, I, I don't know. I'm, I might be biased. I don't, have to, I don't get to say you know, a, a lot in here, and I think that it's so good, but I've learned so much from some of these conversations. This yeah. one is, is amazing. I love GoCast. And where do people connect with with GoCast. Absolutely. So if you're interested in following, you can follow us on iTunes for GoCast uh, podcast. And then we also have a website, gocast.ca. Yeah. So subscribe there. You can also follow us on Instagram and you can find us on Facebook. We encourage you to uh, subscribe and to join with us in the conversation. We want to help your church go further, faster. Mm-hmm. We want to help you reach uh, the lost so that we can stay on, on mission. Well, next week, we have an amazing conversation with my friend, Pastor Dan Lord of Victory Church awesome in guy. St. Louis. Pastor Dan was a great second chair leader mm-hmm. for many years at a mega church in Memphis, Tennessee. And just recently, he took over uh, an established church in St. Louis, and now he's in the first chair. And yeah. he, we talk about that transition. We talk about what his focus is and what that church's focus is. And it's been it's an amazing conversation you're not going to miss. Here's an excerpt from my conversation next week with Pastor Dan Lord. Everyone's job is to be reaching people. Right. Our whole church needs to be focused on reaching people. And so I think we've brought a shift of that um, into the church, just in conversations, in our meetings, when we're planning weekend services. It's just like it's all about reaching people. That's That's our goal. Can't wait for the conversation in our next episode with Pastor Dan Lord. You're not going to miss it. Mm. Thank you so much for joining us at GoCast, and we'll see you next time. Thank you for joining us for this episode of GoCast. We hope you feel inspired and better equipped to take your community for Christ. Make sure to subscribe to receive each new episode as it's released. Let's go and break the stat together.